Welcome to Adults Only Comedy Berlin. Today, it is just me. Uh, I really did try to get a guest on this week, um, but I was in in London on holidays with the fam. And um, after the aftermath of the last recording I did with my mum and my stepdad, uh, I didn't think I would do another one with them. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, comedians have been busy. I do have two comedians lined up for next week, so uh, yes. But um, I'm just going to do a short little recording today because of consistency, but also because um, a, uh, a loyal listener contacted me, uh, sounding a bit worried. He, he was like, uh, I know you're not on holiday because it's not October yet, and um, it's been more than a week, and that's never happened, and... Um, which actually does sound a bit creepy. Uh, <laughs> dude, you know my plans. No, but it's also sweet and caring. And uh, and I said that I was going to... Yeah, I had a vague idea of doing a solo podcast episode today because also uh, I mentioned the aftermath of my parents' podcast episode. There was also... Um, yeah, I've had some reactions from people uh, about some of the episodes that are up and that I have exposed people. Now, <clears throat> so today I want to take this uh, as an opportunity to explain why I do this podcast as well as what I consider my ethics to be and what what my, what my ethics are with comedy and with the podcast. And, um, and then maybe I'll have some random shit that I throw in there as well. But, um, but yeah, so so regardless of um, who or exactly what uh, the issues are with some of my episodes, um, I think it's really important, first off, the purpose of this podcast. So the podcast started off uh, in November 2021. No, November 2020. Oh, um, it started off then uh, as a... Well, a lot of people had wanted me to do a podcast, right, um, because of my voice. They said it, not me, um, but also because it's a, it was a great excuse in the lockdown to speak with a different comedian every week. Uh, I really prefer one-on-one -on -one interactions anyway, in general, but um, it's a great, it's a great, you know, it was also, it was like, okay, here's content. I have good chats with comedians. Um, it's funny. Uh, I'm really honest and uh, with comedy and with the podcast, what I think is the most important thing in what I do and I guess what drives me without sounding like I've got some big mission is, um, is to share my experiences so that other people who've had similar experiences or maybe totally different ones feel less alone. I talk about my experiences. Now, there are people in my life who will be part of those experiences that I'm not going to censor. I'm not going to say that it wasn't this person. So, for example, my mum features a lot in both what I talk about on my podcast as well as in my comedy and in, in written jokes. Uh, and she knows it. And I send her all, pretty much all my – she wants to see it. And she is so supportive, but she really understands and she understand from, understood from a really uh, early point in time that being my mother, she is a fundamental part of – how I was formed and how I continue uh, to be formed. And she, I, I'm not going to take her, um, take her, the impact that she's had on my life and uh, 
give that to some other person or make it anonymous. She's my mom. And so I talk about, I talk about that open and honest, openly and honestly, because as um, I think it's really important to talk about this, I'm not going to censor my own inner circle stories. Uh, however, within that, there it's very clear that I will never expose secrets of my mother's. I will never expose anything that doesn't have a direct impact on what my life has been like or, or, or what my relationship with her is like. But I would never expose something that is hers, that is private. Just like I don't expose things of my friends. I might, maybe I might expose something anonymously um, or even, you know, just a friend or whatever. But I, I, I have no intention of exposing people or hurting people. There is a difference, though, when people are in my inner inner circle and they have had an impact on me. So, for example, with my ex-husband, I talk very candidly about that because those things are have deeply affected me and are a really important part of my life. And the anonymity that I, I could bring to that is that's censoring that's censoring my my story and. You know, I don't say I don't say their names. Of course, you could go and research <laughs> and find out who my ex-husband was. But, um, you know, good on you. Uh, but, you know, if my ex-husband is listening to any of these things, this is my, you know, the the things that I share, it's part of my story and the, and the purpose, which is what I think is the most, you know, important thing in all of this is I'm not just doing this for, well, I am doing it for shits and giggles for sure. It's a comedy podcast. But when I'm talking about, also, you know, painful experiences, it's sharing that so other people hear that. And there's healing that happens when these things are shared. And that's the whole motivation, you know, huge motive, main motive. That is my motivation in comedy as well. It's to, and I write that in my bio, as cheesy as it sounds, but it's really the drive behind what I do. You know, comedy is a, a, a platform, it's a channel, it's a, it's a media, and it's a way to bring people together to heal and to, and, and a lot of my motivation around um, like, you know, what it is to be a woman and to share those experiences because that those experiences have heard or, or received less um, spotlight or, you know, um, uh, airtime, you know, the woman's experience, that's, you know, that's why women talk about women's stuff on stage is because that's still relevant and it's still you know, a unique thing. Like we've heard a million dick jokes because men have had the, the majority airtime. Um, yeah. And that, that's cool. That's cool. That's fine. Um, and so that's why, you know, okay, now I'm moving on to comedy <laughs> rant time. Um, but that's why, for example, there are way more male comedians who aren't so focused on necessarily the male experience because it's kind of the dominant one. And so they're more, you know, they're, they're able to talk a little, you know, maybe they get more culturally fixated or, um, silly or they go into more, you know, they can, they can talk, um, a bit differently, but yeah. Uh, I got off track a little bit there, but the point is to bring people together. You know, why do, why do we talk about our, our struggles so other people who've gone through the same struggles can feel that they too can survive and that they can, um, that they're, yeah, again, not alone. Um, and, you know, I've had, um, I've had people contact me and say that I've had, I've helped them in some way. Uh, I don't see myself as any kind of, 
hero I'm, I'm doing this because i really uh you know I, it can help and and particularly like pure comedy stuff but i think the podcast you know that i do have listeners and i thank you guys for listening but it's never my intention to expose people and to expose anything uncomfortable and before every podcast recording i tell the my, my guests you please feel like do not share anything you don't feel comfortable sharing this is not about making you uncomfortable or exposing people. It's about, you know, you sharing your story and us having a laugh and both of us having space. Okay, so the ethics around it all. Um, yeah, I think I've kind of explained when, when it's in a circle stuff. Um, yeah, it's going to be shared. And, and so one of those positive um, Im impressions or influences I've had, I, I had a, a woman lovely woman shout out to you you know who you are um who came and saw my show in Amsterdam and contacted me after listening to some of my episodes saying that by listening to the podcast she uh she she was I wouldn't say in, I'm not sure if inspired is the right term but she she told me that she felt strong enough hearing my story to then leave her husband and uh, and she's gone ahead and, and left him and yeah organizing a divorce and and she thanked me for for that and that's you know I I really do just want to see fewer people married and happy in the world you know <laughs> no but um no but that's that's so cool that you know it, regardless there's so much that obviously is going on in her life that I'm this tiny 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 little you know thing but but that she yeah she took some kind of strength from from my story and that's the whole point um so yeah so i think the only times when when the inner circle stories are shared like when i talk about maybe my mom or my stepdad or, or my brother you know something could be hurtful uh if if that part of our relationship hasn't been reconciled and if there you know is still shame attached to it because it hasn't that experience, that history hasn't moved to a better place because it hasn't been dealt with, you know, in, in current history. And, uh, and yeah, so <clears throat> I think I'm talking a lot of abstractions here and I hope this isn't boring, but I wanted to address these two things right at the, at, yeah, it's the whole reason I'm doing this um, episode actually. Um, and yeah, um, but I, um, yeah, I was in London. It was so great. Uh, check out comedy, check out stand-up comedy in London. I uh, met the lovely Ashish. Uh, he runs a comedy show in uh, Hoxton at, uh, at the cabin, the Hoxton cabin, comedy cabin. Check that out. Met some lovely comedians, had a lovely set there. Um, and uh, very, I'm very excited to get back to London. Uh, yeah very very I feel like the scene yeah I, I'm in a different place in my comedy career so I feel like I've got different contact with different yeah levels of comedians now it was really really lovely I'm looking forward to doing more shows there and um and then I came back to Berlin and so I've had eight days with no drugs oh my god but I did drink wine every day with my mom I love and whiskey ah uh, it's 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 great my parents are moving back to Melbourne and so they have this huge liquor cabinet and um and they have to pay they have to pay tax if they want to take it back to Australia. And so I'm doing my bit, you know, I'm doing my bit helping them polish off um, some really nice wines. But yeah, meant um, I didn't really have that much of a, a detox in London. Uh, been drinking every day, um, but I have laid off the other amphetamines. Um, tried 2CB, by the way, right before I left for London. And uh, I recommend 
um, not say, not pushing drugs, guys. Don't want to, don't want to. But uh, if you've ever, if you don't know what two CB is, it's um, I've heard about it for years and just hadn't had the opportunity to try it. I'll try everything once. Uh, but it's a mixture of it's a mm, synthetic mixture of ecstasy, so MDMA and uh, and LSD, and it really is. I didn't feel the the ecstasy vibe that much, to be honest. It was um, it was quite light in the uh, euphoria, but the acid vibe was pretty solid. I was um getting very introspective and some amazing hallucinations. Um, with a couple of friends, we went down and sat in the parklands near my apartment and that we were sitting on this um, bed of vines and it was so beautiful watching this floor of vines uh, breathe like so the light was coming through all of the leaves in these waves so each leaf was becoming lighter and like the light spreading to the edges of each leaf and rippling across all of the leaves at once and then as that rippled across then behind them the the light was draining away so it was like they were breathing or coming breathing exhaling or coming to life and then dying and it was just beautiful um very vivid hallucinations i very clear and uh yeah yeah and it lasted um compared to lsd which a solid dose would last like what 12 12 hours i think you know we're maybe high for like I think we took it at like rah, 4 a.m., 5, no, we got kicked out of the bar at 5 a.m. So it was more like 6 a.m. and I went to sleep at midday. So pretty, pretty safe. Um, I would take it in small doses. Okay, this is weird. This feels like um, a, a weird uh, pharmaceutical ad. Anyway, uh, I don't know where you can get it and uh, always be safe and um, get someone you don't like to test it before you do. Uh, okay. Also, I had a bit of a, I wanted to talk about this. I don't think I've talked about it with any of my guests recently. It's a new, um, it's not really, I don't think it's funny, but I talk so much about my, my, my love life or my outlook on relationships on this podcast. So this is relevant. Um, I, um, I got this new aha around love recently that I want to share um, for all the single people out there, for all the people <laughs> in relationships. Um I, uh, I finished a, a book and there was an interview at the back uh, of the author and that author was Simone de Beauvoir and the book was The Woman Destroyed. It's, um, it's three essays. I recommend them. Not uplifting, Mm-mm. but um, insightful and uh, sad and, and beautiful, actually. Um, and, uh, but yeah, the, the concept of reading an interview with a author that you love but you know is so long dead she she died uh, Simone de Beauvoir died in 1986 the year I was born so I'm like oh Tibetan book of the dead like maybe nah if I had the soul of Simone de Beauvoir that's like way too cool but the very first project I ever remember doing in school was about Simone de Beauvoir Okay, that's enough. Um, anyway, in the interview, she, um, the, the, the interviewer, the interviewer's a bit of a cunt, actually. Um, some of the questions, it's like, wow, catty. Like, are you disappointed that it's taken this long to be published? Ugh, anyway, things like this. By the way, back in the days, and probably, well, I think so, like modern media has changed our um, expectations of, of success and how young we can gain success back in Simone's time uh they used to remind each other in you know what is it like the Sabon or 
in the intellectual circles of that of those times that um yeah some of the best authors weren't published until you know they were in their mid-30s so I think that's really reassuring for um me as a comedian (laughs) and any artist uh getting any level of recognition before you're in your mid-30s is pretty astounding and it's and it's pretty standard to you know get that recognition later if you are going to get any um there's hope yet but one of the questions that was a bit cunty that the interviewer asked was um, was naturally, as all uh, media... Well, nah, okay, I don't need to get so gender political. But, you know, we are talking about Simone de Beauvoir. The interviewer asks her about her relationship with Jean-Paul Sartre. And, you know, they were this, like, loving couple with a pretty... I don't know, I'd, I'd love to... My parents actually bought me... Um, a whole big book on their relationship and I left that back in Australia because I was like Ugh, how to reduce Simone and Jean-Paul to just their relationship um no that's not why I left it behind but it was it was a hardback you know don't give people hardbacks um so anyway <clears throat> asked about her relationship and her first her first uh sentence was love is a privilege and I think that is something that we do not think from our society, I, you know, I, I said to mum when I told her about this, I'm like, yeah, because it's it's because of capitalism, and um, and she was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah, okay, there's a, the, I, it, obviously love has become more transactional, and we do, and you know, individualism, and we do think that we can, we think that we are entitled uh, to happiness, even or um, you know, to 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 a lot of things. But love in particular, and obviously with dating apps, you know, it's become so transactional and and just having this, and it's a lot of what I talk about is, a lot of what I talk about, with dating apps, for example, just this idea that we always have access to the possibility of romance and sex in our pocket. And it sets up this false sense of entitlement, I think. And so this idea that love is a privilege, like we are lucky if we find love. You know, like I... And I mean this even, you know, there are people in, in long-term relationships that might not feel like they're actually in this great love and that maybe they're in it for convenience and they've made a lot of, uh, like a lot, like maybe they're not actually happy is what I'm saying. And it's, 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 it's more comfortable staying in that than being alone and, you know, being vulnerable and really mm, waiting for something that is, that is supportive and good for you. Uh, so love is a privilege, whether or not, you know, you're in a relationship or out of, or not currently in one, um, just to see it as not something that we should just expect to have. So I've been meditating on that and I think it's helping me. Um, and I, and that hit me at the same time as I yeah, deleted the dating apps. And then maybe I have talked about this with Maya, but regardless, I'm going to repeat myself. I'm 35. I'm getting, no, I'm not old, but, um, but then also the idea um, that I connect with that, which um, I read again in Women Who Run With The Wolves. If you haven't read it, ladies, even men, actually, I think it's it's pretty it's pretty wild. It's pretty cool. Um, there's a little thing just about how, you know, real like like true love, like love should expand your world and expand your life and not shrink it or reduce it in any way. And so that I tie that in with the love is love is a privilege and that. Yeah, we can we can be in love relationships that aren't expanding our world, and 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 in that sense, you know, yeah, we've sort of just accepted something that's not that great. But when we really find something that expands our life, then that's wow, it's a privilege. 
And uh, yeah, okay, cool. Really um, <clears throat> articulate today. <laughs> Uh, I also have on other news, um, and then I'm going to wrap this bad boy up nice and quick, guys. Um, in other news, I bought a book. Um, I've been wanting to get the book Sex at Dawn by, I think, the author is Christopher Ryan and a woman um, whose name now uh, escapes me, sorry, uh, that Alex Upatov uh, talks about. Maybe, and I think he's talked about it on his episodes with me here. Um, and it's a Sex at Dawn is a book that explores the kind of the birth of monogamy or why, you know, why monogamy um, exists when it sort of started and then uh, why it fails or, you know, the, na- the nature of cheating and, and, and how humanly like humanly natural that is and, and looking all into that so I've been looking for this book and uh and two bookshops uh have d- didn't have it in Berlin and the second one that I went to this morning had however a book that I've heard of um and it's called The Ethical Slut isn't it crazy that I have it you know I, I think this is so great I'm so excited and it was funny because I actually was embarrassed as I went to buy it because I was like ethical um but i'm i'm reading immediately just dug straight into uh like halfway through and into the chapter called um called uh navigating challenges so it's all about sorry so it's all about um uh exploring different types of ethical non-monogamy and um and navigating challenges uh so dealing with jealousy and um, different forms and so it seems that both the authors have experimented a lot in different relationship forms um in the yeah, both monogamous and non-monogamous monogamous and anyway so I, I opened straight up into roadmaps through jealousy and um i'm really excited because i think jealousy is yeah we're so scared of feeling jealous and it's a horrible feeling. And um, yeah, I think, uh, I think, yeah, like one of the first things it says is that it, uh, we give it so much power, jealousy. And I know for a fact, uh, the last, you know, there's been a couple of, re- couple of relationships that I have ended very quickly um, out of fear of that feeling of jealousy. So yeah, and I'm just, okay, just quickly, I'm going to be that loser. I'm going to read something. Um, so the very first quote it says is, uh, let jealousy be your teacher. Jealousy can lead you to the very places where you most need healing. It can be your guide into your own dark side and show you the way to total self-realization. Jealousy can teach you how to live in peace with yourself and with the whole world if you let it in. So, yeah, and that we give jealousy more power than it deserves. And that, yeah, we live in a culture where jealousy uh, kind of uh, justifies, you know, certain levels of violence and there's certain laws, um, you know, crimes of passion and things like that. So anyway, I'm pretty excited about reading this. Um, I'm not sure if I necessarily want a non-monogamous relationship, but I don't know, the people that I have been attracted to and my history tells me that maybe a non-monogamous form of relationship would be the most uh, effective way forward but yeah I haven't done the reading and I think a lot of us just sort of step into this blind and why 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 not just buy a book 
Um, okay, cool. I think um, I think that's all I have to say today. So um, I'm not dead, guys. Kind of was on holiday. And uh, I'm excited to bring uh, two guests, uh, one return guest next week. Oh, um, I'll keep it a surprise. Um, and then a brand new guest. Okay, so um, guys, that has been Adults Only Comedy Berlin. Thanks so much. And, um, and see you very soon. Goodbye.